Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Um, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Oh, we're Merry probably Christmas not going to be able to do this actually. next week. It's Merry Christmas we? Eve. Well, no, we're supposed to pretend like it's Christmas Eve because this is when the podcast drops. Oh, right. I can't do math. <laughs> I did maybe, actually get a pretty good grade in calculus. Maybe you should ask Santa for, like, math skills, Dr. Scientist guy. You know what's funny? My my daughter had some silver, uh, simple uh, algebra. Uh, silver. What the fuck? Why did that word even come out of my mouth? Maybe you should throw some English classes in there, too. Yeah, Mr. Author, Mr. Mr. Author, Scientist guy. No, I. she was doing some algebra equations, and they were they were equivalent equations. So what you had to do was you had one... You had one um, uh, uh, one uh, uh, fraction on one side and one on the other, but the fraction on the left side had two numbers uh-huh. as a numerator and denominator, and then right. it had a numerator, but then an X. So whatever that, you know, the 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 word problem. That's how you had to work it out which numbers went where, and then solve for X. Right. And I was sitting there going, "The fuck do I do here?" Uh-huh. Well, you multiply. You, you're supposed to multiply both uh, both I, sides I, to I, get I the divisor out. I suck at math. I suck no, I know, it. but there I are there are numerous web sites that have algebra solving uh, algorithms and you just type in the equation and it will tell you how to solve for x and I was like how the fuck did I forget that all you have to do is whatever's divided in you multiply out to isolate <laughs> x and then how did I forget that I, I how just many did times this. have you needed to divide a fraction since you learned it uh, since I learned it well I had to relearn it again a few years back and then I and then I took pre-calc and then I yeah, took calculus and then I needed it for statistics but since yeah. then which was two and a half years ago I haven't needed it at all but the thing is I will need it if I make it into PA school the answers are coming pretty soon so yes like, or no yes or okay. no so how Half of a patient comes in. <laughs> and you need to know X, X how many testicles they need to have implanted <laughs> into their brain. Just stuff them full of them. Just take all the extra testicles from the, the, the greasy tex- testicle bin and just start cramming them into his <laughs> body cavity. You know, as you said, greasy tex- testicle bin, my yes. brain actually said greasy tex- testicle bin. We're both making the same grammatical error. We're saying testicle. Testicle bin. <laughs> But just a greasy <laughs> bin of them, and just some of them are like yeah. goose egg size, and some of them are a little teeny. Balls. You break into and the room. There's I'm some like, guy... well, this one's about as big as their pituitary gland. We could yeah, replace it go. with that. I mean, just sperm have will to go do the into math. their brain. But how many know. testicles would be enough to replace the mass of a liver? Okay, so twelve <laughs> over sixteen is equal to fourteen over x. You guys solve the equation in the. In the uh, the math spot down below. This is Are now the math Are you giving our audience math questions? I bet you anything, someone will do it. Micro will definitely do yeah, it. Yeah, that Micro's like, oh, good. <laughs> oh, good. I don't know. This will keep me from, from making fun of how, how dumb Atticus can be. <laughs> so when did you stop believing in Santa Claus? Did someone tell you or did you figure it out? Oh, I think it just gradually went away. I mean, my, my parents would, would label presents from Santa right up until I was like... Oh, I don't know, 11, 12, and, you know, maybe possibly 13. But after, I think my parents, like, I think after my parents divorced was when they stopped doing that. They were like, dude, if you can't, if you haven't figured out that there's no Santa Claus by now. I mean, <laughs> he didn't keep our marriage together. Yeah. So. <laughs> what about your, do- what about Little Miss? Oh, she doesn't believe in Santa Claus anymore. Are you sure? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. They still, they did the Elf on the Shelf right up until a couple of years ago and then stopped doing it. Why? It's- ah. I don't know, because she's not into cutesy stuff anymore. She's into wearing black and listening to to fucking Panic at the Disco, and you know, and like, and like hanging out with her and... purple head. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe someday a dad can I, dream. I heard Andy. your panic attack. <laughs> no. I mean, I gradually figured I, I it want out. Her to, I want her to get a guitar and, uh-huh. you know, become famous and then start shooting heroin. Oh, her Whoa. life is being destroyed. And then come <laughs> out of it and uh, a much stronger rock star than Kurt Cobain was uh-huh. in the past 27. You want to become the weepy parent on Behind the Music. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, um, uh, Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> Except my daughter will be cooler. See, I always figured, you know, you hear all those shitty people who are like, I don't teach my kids about Santa because I don't want them to believe in things that are fictional. And I'm like, you do know that teaching your kids about Santa and then having them figure out that it's all fake on their own is a really great way to teach them how to figure things out on their own. About how to be skeptical? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's a great way. uh, Here's a really good read that I'll suggest. uh, It's called Rant by Chuck Palahniuk. 
and he makes a lot of philosophical statements about how you should teach your you should teach your kids to to think about Santa and God and the Tooth mm-hmm. Fairy and all that kind of stuff, and yeah. not tell them what you believe, and then let and then eventually because that's what his his argument is that that's what teaches a child to be able to have a, an imagination. Yeah, exactly. And kids need imaginations, and grown-ups do too. Everybody needs imaginations. Without imaginations, I never would have thought up the premise for this podcast and then conned Addy to do it. Oh, jerk. It didn't take much. I was like, yeah, man, I really just want to get right into being made fun of and <laughs> and interrupted while I'm talking, and let's, let's yeah, go. Yeah, I know. Let's it's it. all let's... the things you love. It's all the things. It's like every single thing you hate in a podcast, and you only do it because you trust me so much. I do. I would trust you with my bin of testicles. <laughs> want to start a show? Yes, please. In three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Let Me Finish Two Men, One Story, One Million Interruptions. I am Jason Harding. And I am Atticus Doomed. And on this show, Atticus tells a story, and I constantly interrupt him and apparently insult him. (laughs) It's fine. If you guys have a story that you would like for us to read on the show, please go to the Let Me Listen podcast website, go to the contact page and leave it for us there, or send me a message through that co- that portal, that message hole, the that portal sphincter, hole. that sphincter the of sphincter, words. sphincter, the tight brown <laughs> sphincter, unbleached too, by the way. <laughs> and, and tell me how you would like to get it to me. What are we going to do? This time around, Addy. We're reading the super special Christmas Eve episode. We're reading more of my picket fences. Don't we have other stuff? The first trashy version. No, we don't have any other stuff. I'll cut in with that, but we are finishing this. All 371 pages of it. I was tired last time. I'm wide awake this time. All right, let's let's get right into it. Hey, hey, is it my turn? No, it's Addy's turn. Go away. Hey, I. Why do you always want me to go away? I didn't even come in the past few podcasts, except I know, and it was wonderful. you don't miss me. Come on, you missed me so much that after Atticus killed me off, you had me bring you had him bring me back to life because you hated that other guy so much. Well, I mean that's because I hated the other guy so much. Yeah, but you hate me a little less, right? Sure. Grant me this Christmas wish. Let me ring the Christmas. bell for no reason. I'm not. We don't do the bell anymore. The bell's not I know, not but even it's, here. it's my Christmas wish, and you're my Santa Claus. You're making me edit in a sound for this podcast, and I'm not doing it. Yeah, but you don't have to do it till later. Come on. I don't do it till later. Fine, go ahead. All right, Badinga. Oh wow! I hope he grants his wish. Uh, I don't. All right. So, so when we no last Santa left Claus. off, my Joshua had been hit by a vehicle while he was gaping at a handsome young man that he immediately fell in love with. That's right. The metaphors and- run fast and thick. <laughs> that gay love is like getting hit by a van. <laughs> Exactly, and this book was initially started to subvert the trope of barrier gaze. And if you don't know what that is, that's the—that's a trope that you find in movies and books and screenplays and and everything where the gay lifestyle always leads to something bad, so the gay person has to die. Tragedy, almost always, yeah. But I'm gonna try and subvert that in my newest one by making this, it super happy. But uh, no, absolutely not. Bad things okay. still happen to him, just like this one in the trash version. So. Leather Boots, who was in fact a boy of about 14 or 15 with shaggy dark black hair and glasses, said to everyone, I'm going to McGowan's to use their phone. He kicked up dirt as he ran down the street. Converse, whose name was actually Ben. Ben Converse. Held Josh's head up and wondered momentarily if the young man's don't neck move had the been neck. broken. Don't move the neck. Hey, guys, don't do what this stupid kid's doing. If you see someone that's been in an accident, don't move the neck around, please. If the young man's neck had been broken as he appeared not to have the strength to hold it up. Buddy, he asked. You okay? Where does Your it neck hurt? Broken? <laughs> Your neck broken as he shakes his head around. Can you feel bones moving around while I move it all over the place? <sighs> the boy had the biggest black eye Ben had ever seen, and he had been hit by a fly ball at a Red Sox game, leaving leaving him black and blue for two weeks. This eye At least appeared... that's what he told his friends. What <laughs> this really eye... happened was his dad was drinking again. <laughs> the Sorry, devil you know, Jason. What? You be quiet. You promised we wouldn't talk about that on the podcast. 
This eye appeared as a champ- chimpanzee's mouth would appear, closed, with two lips so tightly pressed together that he could see, he could see he could not see the eyeball in between. Red Wait, vi- what? The chimpanzee? eye was swelling shut. It looked like a chimp's mouth. Oh, a chimp's mouth. Yeah, that's what I said. I thought you meant like a chimp's ass, which is the most god-awful, abhorrent piece of nature ever. I know. God had a real whirl with that one. I think I've said it before. A chimp's ass looks like it was chewed off. It does not look <laughs> finished. Fuck you changing allele frequencies and populations. How the <laughs> fuck did you leave that? Oh, it doesn't stop them from mating. That's why it's still there. Yeah. That's how evolution works too, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Red red veins ached at the side of his head and seemed to pulse at Ben's touch. He cradled him, asking, Whoa. Guys, hold him still. His friends obliged, laying hands on Josh like a prayer circle. You know, this While is ben starting rounded, to sound a little bit like a sex scene. While Ben rounded Josh and splayed his legs around his back to steady his body, then sat on the ground... <laughs> With the boy's head in his lap to hold him still. I need to get to the fact that the mother's a whore and you're not going to let me, are you? <laughs> Perfectly fine. No, it's fine. just that if you didn't know what was leading up to that point, that the veins were throbbing and then he pulled his legs apart and laid his head in his lap to keep him from moving and the other boy held him down. This whole book is one giant teenage sex orgy. Ooh. Yeah. Josh was now comfortable and motionless, staring up at Converse's almond eyes and strong jaw. He worried that he might die. He worried that he might live the rest of his life in a hospital bed, paralyzed from the neck down with a tube oh. down his throat to breathe. Yikes. He worried He worried that the warmth of the young man's thighs against his, dent- his gentle touch would cause him to get a boner. And that's, oh, that's how impressive. he would be remembered after he was gone and buried. He died with a huge boner on his, tom- <laughs> on his tombstone. <laughs> well, he's thinking like a kid because, well, yeah, I know. these are kids, he technically. Is he is Hayden. a kid. Anyways... The old man piped up and asked, What the hell was he doing in the middle of the street? Ben replied, He was getting our ball for us. Then asked, How did you not see him? Flabbergasted that a boy would question him, he said, pointing his naughty finger at Ben. He said, No, you listen to me, son. Unless you want me to beat the hell out of you and teach you a lesson, I suggest you shut the hell up and let this boy take the blame for what he's done. I'm a respected man in this town. I work with the police on a regular basis. I know for a fact that jaywalking is a crime in this state, and if there's no way... This is the way people thought in the 60s. Uh, the kid's wrong for being in the street. Yeah, but also you can hitchhike. Mm. Yeah, but I'm talking about jaywalking. Yeah. They blame the kid. Don't you get yeah, it? Yeah, but also cars still did not have the right of way. Mm, so No. Not in the man, in the mind of a man who's already 80. Oh, no. This guy is completely in the wrong. I'm not saying there aren't people <laughs> who think that way. <laughs> I'm trying He's, to add some flavor, some spice, I, I get the flavor and the spice in this story that you're I'm throwing in the I'm reading you the garbage version of the story. <laughs> I know for a fact that jaywalking is a crime in this state, and there's no way I would have seen him rounding this corner unless you would have seen him if you weren't drunk. Ben Ooh. did, in fact, smell beer. Uh-oh. Exasperated, the man's finger wavered in Josh's vision. Josh's vision, he asked, what the hell did you just say to me? I, I smell beer. You're drunk, you fucking lush. <laughs> I smell beer. Do you guys smell beer? Ben looked around at his friends who were idly studying Josh's black eye. In unison, they said... I smell poop. I think Josh, Josh shit himself. <laughs> He died with a huge boner covered in diarrhea. <laughs> White froth is coming out of his mouth. Should we really be arguing about this now? <laughs> I have to admit that that's a sight I've actually seen. Uh-huh. A, a boner covered in diarrhea. Oh. At the nursing home. Thank you. <laughs> in unison, they said, yeah. <sighs> Why, you little sh- Just then, Josh felt pressure on the side of his head, akin to a pipe that was about to burst. Then the pressure- Then felt that the pressure was relieved as a long stream of blood spurted from his temple. Ah, uh, ah! Uh. Light, light flooded his left eye as whatever blood had pulled there was now left, allowing him to open his eye ever so slightly. The circle of boys jumped along with Mr. Naughty Fingers. <laughs> Mr. Naughty Fingers?! Ben remained still, allowing the blood to flow in large spurts all over him. Someone please put some pressure on that wound, please. His only reaction was to say, Jesus, while the others <laughs> stood, mouths agape in horror, disgust, and morbid curiosity. Now the old man began to tremble with fear. He said, I, I couldn't have seen him. There was no way. He pointed down the road and there resting on the ground idly as it had been there since he, since he had hit Josh as well as the car. Uh, with his car was the baseball, lonely and silent. Hey, Without another word. Remember me? <laughs> Play with me. I, put I, me in your bucket of testicles. I did it. I got him killed. <laughs> I did it on purpose. <laughs> I'm Tasha's penis. That's not the only thing, Spurter. <laughs> put me in the back of the testicles. Put me in the back of the testicles. 
Without another word, the old man tottered towards the car, stepped in, shut the door, and sped away, kicking dust into the faces of the boys. Hit and run was still a crime. Was a crime back then. <laughs> Fuck balls! One of them yelled while rubbing flecks of dirt out of his eye. Ben called after him, "Where are you going?" Then trailed off as if he and trailed off as he knew the man could not hear him any longer. Uh-huh. He looked at his friends, befuddled, hoping that Jack had gotten to McGowan's to call an ambulance. Yeah. It was then that Ben looked down at the boy in his lap and realized that the blood had subsided to a low dribble, but not before soaking his hand in it. He wiped absently with his hand in the dirt, then into his shirt, and then placed it on the side of the boy's face and asked, What's your name? Josh croaked, Josh Gagnon. I'm your boyfriend. <laughs> oh, girl, it's a handsome boy. Oh, so I'm going to be inside him. I want to be inside his boat. <laughs> It seemed his throat had hurt, had been hurt, too. He gurgled the words out and coughed a bit of phlegm into the boy's chin. Okay, he's dying now. So what's going to happen? Did someone call an ambulance? What the fuck? No, remember, fuck? The, the fat kid ran off to McGowan's drugstore to go Great, get Great, some... the fat kid did. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Sorry, he said, realizing the futility of saying this as the boy was already covered in his blood and seemed not to care one whit about it. I would have been here faster, but they were having a, two hamburgers for one dollar at McDonald's, and I was a little hungry, so I ate and... I stopped the I stopped not that voice. I stopped I stopped at the farm and gave the cow a cheeseburger. <laughs> That's a pull from last week. I know. Guess you guys will have to listen to last week's too. It's okay, he said with a bit of laughter in his voice. You're going to be okay. Then wiped away the uh, the yellow phlegm from his chin and wiped it on his pants. Blah. I feel okay, Josh said, lifting his head. No, a you don't. <laughs> Ben rested his hand on Josh's shoulder and pressed gently to keep him from sitting up. However, long hours of hiking, carrying wood, lifting, and marching overcame Ben's hand. Josh sat up with a pounding in his head akin to what he felt as he'd once stolen a, a bottle of his father's wild turkey and drank a few shots before bed. The next morning, every part of him ached and he wondered Wait, why. Wait, what? They let him go home? No. Oh, okay. He's ta- he's oh, talking, this is about talking. something else. Okay. This is, this is when he dra- what happened when he drank the, the wild turkey. The wild turkey. Okay, got it. The next morning, every part of him ached and he wondered why anyone would want to do that more than once. Dreamily, he rubbed at his temple and hoped the same thing. This, he hoped the same for getting struck by cars that it would never happen again. Kid, uh, you really should lie back down and wait for the ambulance. Yeah, but, concussion boy. It was Leather Boots who had turned, but not without a bag of who had returned, but not without a bag of Benny candy in his hand what that he was lazily fuck? digging into for cuts for cuts of licorice. Behind him came Harvey McGowan, dressed in his druggist uniform, charcoal stained apron, charcoal, 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 because he makes the drugs there, there, there. Uh, okay. Came down in the white shirt, uh, came, buttoned down white shirt, dirty from hours of rubbing his fingers on it. A hat brim exposed with exposed his hair and spectacles sat on his nose. Of all the people here, McGowan recognized him immediately. Dear God, Joshua, what happened? Yes, he's Irish. <laughs> Was that Irish? Yeah, he said in an, exi- an exaggerated Irish accent, then knelt to the Next to Josh I would. I, I think I was in the middle of reading it for about the seventy millionth time in the Irish uh-huh. cop and and uh, um, uh, uh, Richie Tozier's version of the Irish cop. Started. Oh God. Before Josh could answer, one of the other boys piped up from the circle. He was a short little boy with mousy brown hair and a big belly that rolled over his at Levi's and out of his shirt. Huffing and red-faced, he said, A man hit him with his car and then he drove off. We think he was drunk. Billy, now don't you be lying to me. There's a special place in hell for little boys who lie, especially about something like that. Oh, boy. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm Then what conscious. does he think happened? He just started bleeding out of nowhere for no reason? Yeah, but nobody trusts young people. That's not true. Not in this Maybe on the east coast where they hate children (laughs) (laughs) so much that there's a huge scan oh anyway nope you'll just have to listen no they all hate children (laughs) billy was taken aback but he was telling the truth so he insisted didn't jack he pointed at leather boots for a moment tell you the same thing when he called when you called for the ambulance mcgowan inspected josh's face with his liver spotted hairy hands and replied he said a boy'd been hit by a car not that anyone was drunk Josh intervened, and the man got out of his truck and yelled at us. He smelled like beer to me. God, his throat hurt, like it had been cleaned with a wire brush. Ew. Really? He asked, then looked around to each face in the circle, then to Josh inquiringly. Really? Josh nodded, then then remembered his lessons of propriety. Yes, sir. McGowan eased back, said, Well, if Josh says it and y'all swear to it, there's no reason for me to doubt it. Now what's this man look like? Now Ben, who sat bum in the dirt, legs splayed where Josh had been, piped up. He was old. 
sir. Older than you. McGowan's eyebrow raised, then lowered. Sorry, sir. I was wearing... He was wearing very worn overalls and a farmer's hat along with a pair of boots like Jack's. Not his clothes, boy. What did his face look like? <laughs> well, like I said, he was old. He was like old. Old people all look the same. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> but Ben could not drudge up the image of the man from memory. It was strange how he'd forgotten most, if not all, of the man's features. Like when he'd walked into a room sometime and forgotten sometimes and forgotten why he'd gone there in the first place. You know what that's called, Jason? Aphasia. No, it's called Face blindness. A, an event boundary. Oh. Okay. When you walk into a room and you forget and you forget why you went in there. Oh yeah. I do that all the fucking time. Then then momentarily he thought about how uh, how his wrinkly old wait. Then momentarily he thought about how wrinkly his own ball sack was and wanted to describe the old man that way but did not he tried to continue what? but could not he wanted to use that as a description he looked like my wrinkly ball sack but he didn't say it because he didn't want to get in like trouble a big old wrinkly ball sack <laughs> he looked to the others then to josh for help what ben could not have known along with the fact that josh upon hearing the word wrinkly had thought about his own ball sack too <laughs> was that none of the other boys had even had even in looking straight at the man had a clear memory of him either oh my god these sentences are so long-winded they're so great <laughs> they're so great they hurt my fucking mouth it's like it's like I'm chewing razor blades. Oh. They all furrowed their brows and scrunched their noses. McGowan flustered, asked, Well, did you get a look good look at his car? Ben mustered. It was a Chevy truck. I couldn't tell you what year. Jack supplied. No, I think it was a Buick. Billy said, Buick doesn't make trucks. Yes, they do. No, no they, they don't, don't, dummy. As the boys continued to argue, McGowan rolled his eyes. Placed Josh his died. <laughs> Placed his thumb and index finger in his mouth and whistled so loudly, so, so, so loudly that they all stopped. And together, they all wondered how he had done that. And could he teach it to them? But none of them asked. McGowan asked, Listen, boys, he cleared his throat. Let's get all of this straight first, Josh. What were you doing in the street? Uh, Josh croaked, I was getting looking the ball at for a them. boy. I was looking at a boy. Yes, and? I saw. Laura said, I wanted to see all the boys' butts. Except there was this bottom of so cute. I wanted to stick myself right in it. <laughs> It's a crossover character. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> there is no let me listen verse. This is this is right here. This is Atticus's penis. Spooking through his 14-year-old self while he's still himself in other boys' butts. That's what he wanted to do. Okay, please. I can't understand what he's saying now. Because he, he couldn't because he was a fat little boy. <laughs> Jack said, It spun him like a top. Three times. He twirled his finger around three times histrionically, then shouted, Boom! And slapped one hand against the other, causing his belly to jiggle, imitating Josh's fall to the ground. Josh nodded in agreement. Ben said, Then I, then when I questioned how he couldn't have seen Josh in the street, he yelled at me and threatened to beat me. That's when I smelled beer. I smelled it too, Josh added, and the others nodded for emphasis. I believe you on that part, McGowan said. And he was driving an old truck and wearing farm and old overalls and a farmer's hat. My they up. agreed. Did any of you happen to get his license plate? They all shook their heads. He sighed. Now, Josh, he looked at him earnestly. Where's your mother? Suddenly, Josh felt a pang of fear. How was he going to explain any of this to his mother? She was going to have a hissy fit. She's going to have a fissy hit. <laughs> I had a boner for boys, ma'am. There is a Lemmy Listen verse. Do you know how many different characters we have? I know. A Lemmy Finish verse, I mean, which is part yeah. of the greater Lemmy Listen verse. <laughs> <sighs> he left Scouts. He didn't tell her where he was going. He was hit by a car, and damn it, he looked and down he got at a his... boner. <laughs> he looked down at his uniform. It was dirty and torn at the shoulder where the mirror had must have caught it. That was what it must have spun, of him, spun him. Mm -hmm. His ascot was askew, and his hat his was not on his head. Yeah, Boy Scouts were ascots then. I know they I do. Did. I know you did, but you're throwing this story away. But he looked around for it, and he could not see it anywhere. Blood had been oozing out of his face and onto his pants the whole time. It would be impossible to get out, get it out even with the strongest detergents. <laughs> he would have to get a new one. McGowan, thinking Josh was going to pass out, snapped his fingers before Josh's face, asked, Josh, you all right? Nothing, sir. He tried to push the brains leaking out of the big gaping hole on the side of his head. I'm glad I'm not cut. <laughs> Josh snapped out of his reverie with a shake of his head. And looked at McGowan and said, Yes, Mom's at home. I was looking, I was walking home from Scouts. But your house is that way, isn't it? He pointed down the road in the opposite direction where he came. I was going to your store for some penny candy. Jack what looked. What's the deal with penny candy? Real candy existed in the 60s. Yeah, Baby but roofs. These, not all of these people are fucking, they want to buy more candy for less money because they're frugal. Oh, okay. Jack looked down at the bag of penny candy in his hand, chewed thoughtfully, then offered the bag to Josh, <laughs> left hand out, and said, Want some? With a mouthful. Want That'll some? make them all better. 
Josh could never turn down a gift, especially one given in kindness, even though he now no longer wanted candy. He reached into the bag with his dirty hand and took a stick of licorice and popped it into his mouth. Over the bite, Ugh. he thanked him. Jack smiled and swelled with pride, as if he had fed a third-world chi- child their first McDonald's hamburger. Aww. <laughs> or a cow. A cow, its first hamburger. find that video. Oh, my God. And sent tweeted at PETA. <laughs> Like he had just fed a cow some veal piccata. Uh, the other stared at him, baffled that he'd chosen this, is this one moment. of your babies. <laughs> it's just, it's just nothing but TV snow, and then a cow comes into focus, <laughs> chewing on a cheeseburger, and it's just you whispering, "This is your babies." No, yeah, veal would literally babies. be a baby. It would literally be a milk-fed veal calf. Uh, that's like feeding chicken eggs. They all looked at him disgusted, then looked down at the road as the ambulance neared him. Its sirens blared discordant tones that assaulted their ears from every angle in the afternoon light, which began to wane and, and flash of its red lights were uh, of its red lights were bright and harsh to their eyes. Huh. Mm. Oh, oh, which began to wane in the red flash of its lights were bright. No, that still doesn't make any sense. Anyway. It doesn't. Do you want me to call your mother? McGowan asked. Begrudgingly, Josh said, yes. Do you want <laughs> me to ride with you to the hospital? No, you have a store to run, sir. McGowan Do you had... want me to pull your pants up? They've been off this whole time. Remember, you flashed yourself to the men at the steel mill earlier, and you just waddled over here with your pants around <laughs> ankles. You pooped on Without the ground. With your big pink boner out in the sun for everyone to see, you dirty pervert. <laughs> ben, I told you to stop stroking his cock. But I love being stroked. Come on. He's got soft hands. You go fast, 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 and slow. And then rub the top with your thumb. Just, you know. <laughs> Spit on it. Spit on it. Spit <laughs> on me. Spit on me. <laughs> McGowan, who had forgotten himself for a moment, then said, Yes, you are correct, son. Then looked around at the circle of boys, but before he could ask, Ben said, I'll go with him. Josh lit up with excitement that he had to contain, pressing his lips together and lowering his gaze. Yeah, you are Josh. You are Josh's conscience right now. You be his big giant boner. That's all. I am Josh's big giant boner. (laughs) Pressing pressing his lips together and lowering his gaze so that no one could see that he was happy, while the ambulance driver and another white-clad man came by his side, and the circle of boys parted to allow them to cradle Josh onto the stretcher. Good luck, boy. They would put his neck in a brace. Ah, I would have to look up. They'd probably give him a soft brace, but they didn't give him a brace at all. You're still right, though. I mean, if it would happen now, no one would have let him stand up. He would have immediately gone into a brace. Some of the boys called after. Yeah, good luck, buddy. Ben squeezed himself aside the stretcher in the back of the car uh, with who he believed to be a new friend. Sitting on the other side of Josh, the medical technician began to ask the same questions McGowan had, annoying him with their banal repetitiveness. The engine started up as Ben listened intently as Josh answered the questions one by one in much the same way he had McGowan. He was annoyed along with Josh, and it was one of their first shared emotions, the first being the shock of the accident itself. This, this now was the feeling of discontentment that the next few hours were going to be nothing but the same story over and over again. But at least he would get to watch some cool medical procedures being performed, (laughs) and maybe even get some stitches or sutures. That's great. He didn't know if there was a difference. These are these are kids, man. Yeah, all right. You're, they're fucking 15, 14, 15, 16. They don't care. They don't care about your about you. I don't want. I don't need them to care about me. That's what you need to know about the throwaway version of this story. It does not <laughs> care about you. In his excitement at this prospect, Ben forgot himself in a way he would learn to love in the coming months. The way that makes you do things you never thought you would do and make new discoveries. He stared forward at the tech. Like how far you can get a needle, a needle, knitting needle in me. Come on, keep pushing, keep pushing. Now you have to sound with the bar band. (laughs) I mean, trust me, when you come, it'll feel so much better. He stared forward at the tech and glanced <laughs> glanced at Josh and looked down at Josh without even the approval of his own thoughts and reached forward across the stretcher and held Josh's hand to comfort him. The tech paid this no mind as he thought the two must be very good friends. Josh felt that felt his hand in his hand and was suddenly filled with the idea that he might pass out. Oh. He breathed through it and continued talking to the tech, pretending to ignore the warmth of Ben's hand. Oh. Oh, chapter two. Young love. Exciting to do. 
Joan Gagnon was in the middle of a mighty powerful orgasm when she got a call <laughs> that her son had been hit by a car. Uh-huh. Panting away the pleasure, pleasure, she asked, What? This was not how she thought her day was going to go. She was racked with disbelief and a sudden feeling that she was a bad mother. Or even if only for a split second she thought of this as an inconvenience to her, to her routine. Then she reminded herself that she was not a bad mother, just one who had to make ends meet by any means possible. This meant she occasionally made appointments with men from nearby towns. She was a whore! Always nearby towns and not her own, and she did not want her her side business business to intrude on the facade business. she had made in the town in which she lived. To allow them to seek their deepest, darkest desires with her, <laughs> though that was so. Though what was so deep about and dark about a man wanting a blowjob, she had no idea. Well, good for her. The women of this town were so prudish and pinched to complete. I had just finished the feminine mystique when I started writing this too. Uh. Just so you know, <laughs> I was like, well, of course they don't want to scrub. Floors. They want to have fucking orgasms with dicks inside of them. Or, or you know, whatever. Yeah. It's scissor, you know, like this. Yeah. Josh, <laughs> Jason can see me. <laughs> Ooh, scissors. Ooh. <laughs> Where's the penis? <laughs> the women of this town were so prudish and pinched she could completely understand why, completely understand why their husbands came to her. Presently, a stout, chubby man with hair from neck to toe laying squirming in the bed underneath her. Ugh. He had he had apparently ejaculated when the phone rang and was panting away his his orgasm along with her. Though the cries of ecstasy were muffled by the burlap mask he insisted on wearing during all sex sex acts with Joan. Blah. His insistence was not because he did not know want to know where she was going to touch was because he did not want to know where she was going to touch or even what she was going to do nor did he want to be able to stop her which is why he was also handcuffed to the bedposts <laughs> <laughs> the thrill of all these things writhed through his trim and his biceps and clenched and released his spine curved upward his chest out and he let out a last sigh as Joan asked are you sure it was Josh Gagnon my son's supposed to be at scouts <clears throat> McGowan's voice came over the receiver and the man could plain hear plainly enough. Yes, ma'am. A man struck your boy with his car and then drove off. The ambulance has taken him to the hospital. Dear God, she said, and left Aren't off Aren't you my three o'clock? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> she left off the man kneeing his now slowly deflating penis. He grunted but no, not, could not cup his balls to stave off the pain as he was still handcuffed and said, What's going on? What the hell? She held the receiver to her chin, reached forward and pulled off the burlap mask. Then she put her finger on over her lips and mouthed hush to him. The befuddled face he made meant that he, uh, uh, meant that he may be confused but would not ruin his chances at another meeting with this woman. So he shut up. Yes, she, wait, she, she waited then. I'll be there as soon as I can. The man looked up from the bed, waiting for her to yell to him, just tell uh, to tell him just the hell what the hell was going on. God damn it! Is this part of the, uh, is this part of what we're doing? You pretend that your son's been hit by a car. I, okay, I'll go. F- I'll go for it. <laughs> oh no! Oh, your poor son. Can he be a part of this too? Yeah, come on. Ow, cat! Jesus. <laughs> the cat just jumped on Jason's chest and then no, dug they're both claw. asleep. I have a dog and a cat laying on my chi- on my 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 lamp, and the cat just kind of reached up on the back of the and tried to lovingly, I guess, rip my chest out. I don't know what he was doing. <sighs> yeah. He only understood that someone had been hit by a car and that she had to leave. She fumbled with her right knee. Uh, she fumbled with her her knee right high doomy. Wait, no. d- don't don't. She fumbled with her <laughs> knee high doomy boots and unstrapped them carelessly, peeling them off and throwing them to the floor, then searched for her clothes and absentmindedly covered covered her teddy with the blouse and capris she'd been wearing earlier that day. She paced the room, looking down for something, searching left and right, then at the right side of the bed she exclaimed, Yes! Then bent over and came back up with her pair of shoes. Excuse me, the man said politely as she, as she sat on the bed, slipped on her shoes and began to tie them. When she didn't answer, he cleared his throat loudly and said, Excuse me! A little louder this time. She turned and with a socks shocked expression on her face as if she'd forgotten he was even there the truth was she had actually forgotten to the man shackled to her bed oh jesus she said looked him up and down up and down disgusted with herself for for a moment every inch of this customer was covered in sweat hurriedly she reached she reached into her updo with the index and thumb of her right finger and pulled out a key that had been teased under a bobby pin oh she knelt on the bed and unlocked the handcuffs relieved the man put his arms down and rubbed at his wrist his hands had gone numb during their tryst 
I have to go, she said earnestly. I know, he said, sounding like a scolded child, then flopped himself over the bed like a walrus on a beach and sat on the left side of the bed and began to dress himself. Joan had already finished dressing and was presently watching, waiting for him to hurry the hell up. My son has been hit by a car. While I was... He pulled up his blue trousers and belted them and stood and stood up and slipped on both arms into the sleeves of his shirt. After buttoning and tying his tie, tucking in his shirt, strapping on his utility belt, lacing his boots, he then pinned... Is he Batman? He then pinned... a badge to his shirt along with his name tag it read oh. deputy blue deputy blue and she thought for a moment that he looked like a real man whatever that was he rested his right hand on his gun and looked about the room for anything he'd forgotten she stared at him blankly until he realized what it was she was trying to remind him of there in the middle of the tousled sheets and blankets were a set of handcuffs where his set of handcuffs what he reached which he reached for and placed in the pocket of his utility belt where they belonged lastly he took off his policeman's cap off the end of his bedpost and dropped it on his head, straightened it, then looked for her instruction. Should I leave first, he asked? No, I should, she said, moving them towards the bedroom door. He's breaking the law. How could he have forgotten their routine? She leaves first to pick up Josh from Scouts, and he left second, out the back door, then onto the street, as if he'd been waiting he'd been walking his beat the whole time. <sighs> the only thing that was different this time was that there wasn't an emergent. there was an emergency, and she had to go. Damn it. Was this full-grown man with a professional job so stupid that he could not see that? <laughs> After a long moment of him staring Standing there, she said, I have to go. Then let him in on the full magnitude of the situation. My son has been hit by a car, and I don't know how bad it is. McGowan says he's going to be okay, but I need to be with him. Now. He's been wandering around on the streets with his pants down and his boner hanging out. It's weird. It's all pink. Still. I, I see him every time he gets in the sh- He walks down the hallway naked. Remember, we, we intoned in the last episode that they've been having sex, too, so. <laughs> no, you did. <laughs> okay, fine, I did it. This statement shocked him into full awareness, and he was suddenly more curious about her predicament. After all, after all, he had already looked around her house when entering, not for pictures or anything that would identify her... Uh, not... Uh, whatever. Anything that would identify <laughs> her as a mother. What the fuck? What he did not know was that she was very careful to hide such things, placing the family photos into the drawers, closing Josh's bedroom door and locking it, and even Saying, removing... son, what son? Out of nowhere, prompted by anything... <laughs> Even removing her wedding ring to to protect the idea that she was just a single woman who made her money the way that most found m- most townsfolk turned a blind eye blind eye to. Yeah. But what she could not know in admitting it to him was that she was a mother was that she made him feel ashamed like he had desecrated his own mother's gravestone. Now he wanted to help her as if she was <coughs> helpless and weak, not the oh. woman who had just moments before had him shackled to a bed riding his dick into paradise. Now a mother <laughs> who was helpless and in need of saving. What he didn't what he wanted he wanted to know what he could do. You want to ride to the hospital? My squad car is just down the street. She cut him off. No, that would be suspicious as all get out. Now please leave. He was silent now, looking petulant as he realized he was he was probably going to ask when he'd see her again next. She sighed and walked him into the hallway. She'd led, uh, uh, she walked into the hallway to lead him there. He followed. Listen, I will see you soon, just as soon as I can, okay, Bobby? <laughs> now get the fuck out! She walked through the living room slider and that led to the backyard and opened it. Air rushed into the house, and as she did so she, as she did so, she, she said to the ten other men waiting their turn, "You're going to have to leave. Something's come up." Oh God, more boys with red dicks. Jeez, <laughs> they look like boiled lobsters. <laughs> they look like Filipino hot dogs. <laughs> I like those, actually. (laughs) (laughs) But they're bright. They're unnaturally red. Oh, they taste wonderful, though. Ugh. Uh, She walked through the living room door to the slider that led to the backyard and opened it. Air rushed into the house, so she did. And as she did so, she hoped that he would understand this was his final cue to leave. She pointed her thumb out to the yard. He accepted this, but still added the look of a lost puppy. With each step out of the door, then down the back steps, through the yard, several rows of hedges and onto the street, he felt more and more of something that would strengthen over the next few hours, days, and months. He was in love with her, and he wanted to know more about her. Uh Uh-oh. Joan watched patiently as the deputy left, and once he was through the bushes, she ran to the almost the front door, almost shutting it with her momentum, then righted herself and opened the door and trip-walked down the steps. She pinwheeled her arms over her head to steady herself, then stood up straight. 
happy that she had not worn heel- heels as they may have fallen off and broken her arm or something else. Yeah. Her breathing became heavy and her heart pounded in her chest as she fumbled for the keys to her hum- husband's car. The first key she tried was the ignition key. What? Oh. After failing <laughs> this, she fumbled again and found the door key. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 And because they used to have two separate keys for that. That's right. Mm. There she tried to catch her breath by, by pursing her lips and letting it out in short bursts. Once sufficiently calm, she righted her rearview mirror and backed out of the driveway onto the street. The engine roared down the lazy country road. She was speeding but justified as she knew she needed to get to her boy, then the thought then thought better of it as she did not want to hit someone else's child and send their mother or father into a hysterical realm she found herself presently in. Jesus Christ, these, these <laughs> sentences. <laughs> Let me read that one more time. Do it again. The engine roared down the lazy country road, comma. She was speeding, but justified this, as she knew she needed to get her to her boy, then thought better of it, as she did not want to hit someone else's child and send their mother or father into the hysterical realm she pr- found herself presently in. <laughs> She slowed the vehicle to five miles an hour above the speed limit and again calmed herself with slow breaths. It was then that she gave herself a cursory glance in the rearview mirror. Her hair was disheveled, lipstick, lipstick smudged. The foundation was fine, but needed touching up around the neck. Her neck was covered with hickeys. It dawned on her that she had not brought her purse. Maybe she should go back? Then no, she, she did not have time to go back. She reeked of man Looking around the car, she damned her boy for so meticulously cleaning it. There was not even a scrap of paper she could fold to cut to cut into the makeup and fix, or perhaps wipe it off. Then hated herself for damning her boy. He was, after all, keeping it clean for his father in his absence. Yeah, the one you're cheating on. You fool. (laughs) Jason? I'm judging her. You're judged. No, no, no. Yes? What year did I say that this was in? I know, I know. He's dead. I said this was 1963. When did when did the uh, Korean War he's, end? He's, he's dead. The Korean War ended in 1953. Yeah. 54. Yeah. He was strange, <sighs> but with his... Uh, actually, I think this is supposed to be 1959, but either way. Okay. Yeah. He was strange with his uptight cleanliness right down to the perfect length of each fingernail that he sanded with her emery boards, that he had perfectly coiffed hair even after sleeping on it all night, that he had at once asked her for an iron and an ironing board for Christmas instead of a toy fire engine, that he always said his pleases and thank yous to his elders, and he'd rather spend his time reading books on trigonometry than playing outside with the other boys, that the only friend he'd ever brought over had been a young girl from down the street who he'd said was not really a friend but more of an acquaintance who knew how to start jeans. (laughs) (laughs) She had not seen her many times. That it was apparent he was confused about his sexuality. The only way, yes, she knows, the only way he could mitigate those things was beyond the realm of his control, was to compulsively clean and obsess about order that she had caught him having believed she'd left for his other job her other job cleaning houses standing before the math the bathroom mirror completely naked and staring down his own nude body inspecting himself for imperfections that he was a full two inches taller than the other boys in his class and had a dense muscularity that much like his father was easily obtained during a few hours exercise a week that he hid bastard that he hid dirty magazines between his box spring and mattress that by their by their wear she could tell which pages he'd looked at and which he hadn't. That the Playboys had no wear, and the magazines with male heartthrobs on the covers and the pages in between were what he desired to fawn over, rather than the demure voluptuous females that added, that addled the pages of the others. That she had had found an elegantly drawn, pencil-drawn, Da Vincian talented drawings of men in sexual poses, poses folded and pressed between the pages of his copy of Moby Dick. She <laughs> supposed they were there because the magazines were barren of naked men, and he had an innate desire for them. She signaled for the highway, taking Route 18 north to the hospital and gunned it once she merged with the afternoon traffic. But why and how had he been hit by a car? Are, are you not, like, Hitting? shocked at how much she knows? No. Not one bit? It's more shocking when someone writes a story and the parents are completely clueless. <sighs> But why and how had he gotten hit by a hit by a car? Gotten hit by a car. <laughs> my God, my baby boy. I've been hit by a car. I've been hit by a car. Hitten, teeten, booten, deeten. In Sweden. <laughs> how did he get to Sweden? And how am I going to drive my car through the ocean to get there? <laughs> my baby boy has been hit by a car. Her lips began to tremble and she feared she might worsen her already messy makeup with tears. Why was he not at Scouts? She searched her memory for a reason and came up with only one. That he lost interest and begun to leave just after she dropped him off. He was getting his hit by a car <sighs> badge. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at other boys' butts. <laughs> <Bells. laughs> 
This is this badge. It's for Bob Fuckle. <laughs> it's pretty lit on it. This is another round for taking it in the butt. That's pretty little that too. How had he obtained his badges? Were they faked by him? No, she'd seen where he had received them, and this hypothesis did not jibe with his personality. He barely ever lied. In fact, she could not think of a moment where he had. He joined scouts because he believed it would bring him closer to his father, a sergeant-at-arms in the Marines. Research. He's dead. <laughs> and she'd agreed because he wanted, she wanted to him to have other manly influences in his life in his father's absence. Each new badge obtained along with the sash, sash made, all, made him all the prouder of himself, and he could not wait to show them to Thomas, his proud father had received a black-and-white vertical photo of Josh saluting the camera next to the oak tree in the backyard of the house. Uh. He mailed back a tearful letter, letter of <coughs> approval, not yellowed, now yellowed, which rested comfortably between the pages of the crucible on his shelf. <coughs> but if he were bored with scouts, then where was he going? She supposed <coughs> it be, it, he had been hit by a car near McGowan's drugstore. It must mean he'd been, he'd been hit while walking, obviously, but into the middle of the street? Again, this was not congruent with his personality. He, he followed all, all rules set down by adults and even on his bike, he respected the rules of traffic, signaling at each turn, and, mo and, and every moment, careful not to offend drivers, he rode on the curb. That's against the law. Not then. Yeah, always. No, not then. Bikes aren't allowed on the curb. They're children. Basically. Children are stupid. In the 1960s? Yeah. But then you <laughs> were born in 1960, weren't you? <laughs> 1969, buttfuck. I think Keep reading your story. <laughs> A thing occurred to her then that she would think a lot about in the next few weeks and months and years as everything in her life came together in a chorus of discordant voices to scream one thing amongst all of the things she was unwilling to accept. But this was still the most difficult thing to accept, that her boy right. was no longer a little boy but a teenager growing in, in, into himself as one grows into adult clothes, adult attitudes, adult jobs, and adult personalities. And adult bottles. He would eventually rebel, but in his own way. Though how his rebelliousness would manifest itself would be very unlike what other boys were experiencing. For him to grow, to learn, to experience what he needed to experience was going to be a tough road. That amongst all the sacrifices she had made for him, this one would be the hardest. She decided then she would allow him more space than she had already given him. So long as she did not get, he did not get himself or anyone else into trouble. And just so long as Tito, her pimp, never found out. He ate his meals. She had, what? He cleaned his room and did his homework. <laughs> if that also meant that accepting that her son was queer, then she would accept it. Though it was a rea th though it was already evident that this was true. She now wanted nothing more than to hug her child, scold him slightly, then tell him everything would be okay. Her exit came with the sign of a giant H and an arrow telling her to go left at the end of the exit. She did so, and after a mile of so or so of traffic, she pulled into the emergency room parking lot between a Buick station wagon and a GM Monorama <sighs> and put her car in park and cried. Short and long sobs burst from her now, absolutely ruining her makeup. Then a thought came unbidden to her mind. She reached into the glove box, turned the knob. She reached to the glove box, turned the knob, and there nestled amongst the day's mail was a packet of wet naps that Joshua used to clean his hands after touching something dirty. I don't think the wet naps existed yet. I googled it. They've existed since 1951. Oh, okay. Well, they weren't called wet naps. I just didn't know how else to describe what them. What were they, they called? Were like... Sloppy napkins? <laughs> <They> were... <laughs> what were they called? <laughs> Clean your hands with these, idiot. That's what they were called. <laughs> she fumbled with the packet and then lifted one out to turn and turned to see her. Turned to the mirror to see herself. She wiped away her eyeshadow, her lipstick, and foundation, decimating the packet of naps into a pile of little bald-colored scrap. A bald that way, all the scrap. doctors, interns, and patients that she has slept with would not recognize her. Once she felt she looked sufficiently plain, she buttoned the top button of her blouse to hide the teddy, which was still, which is overkill thing, being that. The thing barely covered her breast and stepped out of the car. Across the parking lot, she went through a revolving door. We'll stop at one hour. <clears throat> into the alcove where she was, uh, where there was a, high, uh, a horseshoe desk lined with pamphlets and note cards for a notary, masons, and the Knights of Columbus, and other such clubs. It was sitting between two great uh, walls, left and right, lined with elevators. Behind the desk sat an ancient woman with creases in her face that appured as billfold resting billfold. Hello. Resting one on top of the other. Do you want my help? Atop her head sat a beehive. A beehive. Help, up there's to. a beehive on me! <laughs> Help! Help! Of horn-rimmed glasses tucked into it for safe, tucked into it for safekeeping. The woman watched as Joan. Have you seen my glasses? 
As Joan approached the desk, adding the squint, a squint to her eyes that said she, she thought Joan was trouble, or merely that she could not see as the glasses were not on her face. Don't hit me! <laughs> Either way, she folded a half-hearted smile into the creases of her face upon jo- Joan reaching the desk. There, Joan rested her hands on the waist-high desk and realized that the old woman, she glanced she glanced at the, pra- the placard and it read Mrs. Brown. The Mrs. Brown was smoking. An idle cigarette. Yes, you could smoke in a hospital then. Yes. <laughs> and, you uh, could smoke while performing surgery. In fact, doctors <laughs> recommended it back then. An idle cigarette sat in the ashtray, half burned, with a snake trail of ash in front of it. As she thought she lit it and placed it there to have of the pleasant aroma of tobacco wafting in the air. And Joan suddenly wanted a cigarette. Before Joan could speak, Mrs. Brown said, You must be here for the kid, the Boy Scout. In a voice etched by sandpaper, Joan nodded and Brown continued. He's one floor up after you get off the elevator, go down the hall. You'll recognize him. He's the take one a with left. giant pink boner. <laughs> take a left until you see the sign that says inpatient trauma. He's in room 201. He's one of the boner boys. They always call <laughs> boners. Impatiently, Joan asked, how did he look? She was holding back tears He again. had a boner. <laughs> Brown lifted the cigarette to her mouth, allowing the ash to fall in her lap, took a long drag, exhaled, and said, Like he'd been hit by a car. Before Joan could reply, she said, But he had that other friend with him making him feel better. I'm sure he'll be fine. You know, a hand job. Before Joan could ask what friend, another patron had come to the desk to ask the doctor about his bowel movements. What about my bowel movements, please? Yeah, we should stop there. <laughs> I've had five there in this sack. <laughs> I keep them next to my bucket of testicles. I'd mark them and everything, each one. Each day, each time, and how they tasted. <laughs> I've named them. Please be gentle with them. <laughs> Sir, you can't bring those in here. Oh, please. They gotta go somewhere. <laughs> my wife will throw me out if I keep stowing them under the bed. You're supposed to flush, the t- flush them down the toilet. Oh, Oh, that's an execution seat, not a place to put your poops. I stopped putting my poops down the toilet when they, when Dad flushed my goldfish down. I've been dropping these into the chafing dishes in the cafeteria. Is that bad? I mixed it in with the Salisbury steak. <laughs> Sometimes I even flatten them into little shapes like dinosaurs. <laughs> At night, I throw them off the overpass on the cars. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I cause accidents. So no, you guys can get business. Bring a sack, I just hang my butt over. <laughs> <laughs> there has to be at least one person who has pooped over an overpass and caused a terrifying <laughs> accident by doing that. If you have, write us your story and let us know. Okay, that's it. Thanks for the story, Addy. Yeah, you're welcome. And guys, remember, write in, send us stuff, go to the place that I told you, and do all that stuff. It's super cool, and we like reading your stories. Right, Addy? Yeah, send them in. We still have this 400-page monstrosity to finish, but yeah, send that's in your right. stories. And marry everything at the end of the year to everybody that listens to the show. Yeah, even if you believe there is a god. Yeah. Which you shouldn't, because there let is me no finish. God. <laughs> Shush. For let me finish. This is for Jason Hart. There is no God, and there is no Santa. There's no fucking Tooth Fairy. And um, good night, everybody. And good well. <laughs> and goodbye. Don't be shy when you sit on my thigh and ask me for presents. Oh, what rhymes with presents? I have no idea. Letting your, I'm letting you hang to dry. <laughs> but... Somehow the day went by, <laughs> sitting on Santa's thigh, sucking <laughs> <laughs> my penis inside the butt. <laughs> this can't become a character. I refuse. <laughs> it's the best one. It's the one that. It's the one that. I'll kill tough. I'll kill them. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. It'll take a miracle. The Lemmy Finish Podcast is a Lemmy Listen Podcast production with Atticus Blake and Jason Harding. With music by Kevin McLeod. Produced by Jason Harding. You can find more Lemmy Listen Podcasts at our website at www.letmelistenpodcasts.com. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Facebook, and iTunes. Please like and leave a review. And thank you for listening.